Hey, what's going on guys? It's uh, Josh. I'm a fourth year med student and today we're going to be doing episode 13, biological membranes. So let's get right into it. Uh, membranes, biological membranes specifically are made up of proteins and then lipids. Um, specifically, you'll have transport channels, uh, transport proteins, I'm sorry, um, in that lipid membrane as well as uh, different types of lipids. So let's talk about just a, the general overview of these types of proteins. We'll get into this in a later podcast, but I want to mention it now. There are channels. These are like passive transport channels, basically going from high concentration to low concentration, or they're uh, relying on osmosis. If you don't know what that is yet, we'll talk about it in just a few uh, episodes. You can have facilitated transport, which is something like tags along and takes a ride with these like um, uh, concentration gradients, so it's still not relying on ATP. And then you can have active transport, which is like famously known as the sodium and potassium channels. These are ATP dependent transporters. So let's talk about the structure of membranes, okay? So we've talked about the types of different proteins or um, uh, transport proteins that might be found in a membrane. Let's talk about the lipids that are found. So usually you're going to have this uh, uh, bilayer membrane, right? You're going to have a polar head group facing the outside and then a fatty acid tail facing the inside. And you're basically going to have um, uh, two, you're going to have basically two sides of the same coin, so to speak, right? You're going to be, one side is going to be facing um, extracellularly, right? And this is going to be um, uh, with the fatty acid tail facing inwards. And then on the back end, the polar head group uh, of the second layer is going to be facing your cytosol. So these two sides are going to create this like dual layered membrane. And this is going to be your classic setup for a biological membrane. Now, the lipids that make this up, right, the structure of the membrane, you're going to have this polar head group. And then you're also going to have a hydrophobic fatty acid tails, okay? There's a few types of lipids. There are phospholipids and glycolipids, okay? Phospholipids have phosphate um, and alcohol and choline head groups. They have a glycerol or sphingosine backbone, and then they have a fatty acid tail. So what do I mean by that, okay? So these phospholipids, they're going to have basically this backbone made up of glycerol, which is a three-carbon backbone with three hydroxyl groups off each carbon. What you can do with these hydroxyl groups is attach at the first hydroxyl group, your head group, which is your phosphate alcohol head group, right? And then, or choline head group. And then the next two hydroxyl groups, you're going to go ahead and attach, and attach a fatty acid. Depending on which backbone you use, right? If you use glycerol, it'll be called the glycerophospholipid. But if you use sphingosine, which is an interesting... Um, it's an interesting molecule, and I actually recommend that you check this out on your own time just to check it out. I'll try to describe it in my words. Basically, this is a, um, it starts with a hydroxyl attached to a single carbon. Then at the following carbon, you're going to get a nitrogen group. And then at the next carbon, you're going to get another hydrogen group. And then after that, you have a long carbon tail, okay? So just like with glycerol, um, you're going to attach a phosphate and alcohol group to the, hydro the first hydroxyl group. And then the subsequent two groups, the nitrogen group and the hydrogen group, you're going to attach a fatty acid to. And this is going to make a sphingolipid. And, in, and basically, these glycerophospholipids and sphingolipids make up the general um, category of phospholipids, okay? But you can also have glycolipids. And glycolipids are important for um, several things. But even more than that, they actually are part of, like, your HLA, like, 
subgroups of cells. They make up a bunch of different singling, extracellular singling uh, molecules. So for a glycolipid, the head group is going to be a sugar. The backbone is again going to be that sphingosine that we talked about. It's going to have that hydroxyl group followed by a nitrogen uh, group off of that next carbon, followed by another hydroxyl group, and then a long uh, carbon tail, right? And then there's going to be two fatty acid tails attached to that. So the big difference here is the head group, right? For glycolipids, the head group's going to be a sugar. For phospholipids, the head groups are going to be phosphates followed by an alcohol, then attached to that hydroxyl group. It can also have a choline. We'll get into that at another time, though. So hopefully you're following me at this point. So let's talk about some specifics. So glycerol phospholipids are the most abundant type, right? If I, if you remember what I was talking about, that means a glycerol phospholipid is going to have your glycerol backbone. It's going to have a phosphate alcohol head group, right? And then two fatty acids. Triglycerides, right? If you, if you, if you didn't have this head group, it would not be a part of the bilayer. This bilayer that I was talking about, remember, is the biological membrane. You're going to have a bilayer of fatty acids or um, glycerophospholipids, right? But if you had triglycerides, you wouldn't have that polar head group, so they wouldn't orient, orient properly. So I'll give you an example of one. So PIP2 is an important type of signaling uh, molecule, and this is actually a type of glycerophospholipid in the, bi in the um, uh, bilayer of the biological membrane. And PIP2 can be cleaved. It can be cleaved and then be sent down to form a secondary messenger. We haven't really talked about this too much yet, but it's just an example of like how glycerophospholipids actually interact with the um, cell intracellular components, right? So now let's talk about a phosphosphingolipid, right? So this is different than a glycerophospholipid. A phosphosphingolipid utilizes a phosphate head group, a sphingosine backbone, right? And a phosphosphingolipid is different. These sphingosine backbones, these are going to be important for myelin sheath around nerve bundles, right? And um, when you're actually making these like super fatty acids, you're, you're, we'll talk about this at a later time, but basically you can only make certain lengths of fatty acids, but um, the ones that we can't make, these are termed essential fatty acids, right? And this is going to be linoleic acid and DHA, okay? Again, I'm going to repeat that. Linoleic acid and DHA. These are essential fatty acids that we can't actually produce in our body, but we still can incorporate into... Um, uh, um, fatty acid, uh, or I guess not fatty acid synthesis, but phospholipid synthesis, okay? So next up, what I'd like to talk about is uh, glycosphingolipids. Remember what I was talking about, right? We just talked about phosphosphingolipids. Now we're talking about glycosphingolipids. So glyco, this is going to be a sugar head group, right? This is found primarily in, ner in our nervous systems, and there's a few different types, all right? A cerebroside is going to be found in our nervous system. This is a type of glycosphingolipid with a single sugar as the head group. You can have a globoside, which has multiple sugars attached as, at the head group, basically a sugar attached to a sugar attached to a sugar at the head group, which is then attached to that sphingosine backbone followed by two fatty acids as well attached to that, right? And then you can have a ganglioside. These are multiple sugars, but with the addition of celiac acid. So again, Cerebroside, globosides, ganglioside. Cerebroside, one sugar, globosides, multiple sugars, ganglioside, multiple sugars with celiac acid. This is called the these are types of glycosphingolipids. So we sort of hit on some examples of where you're gonna find these um, types of 
lipids within the, uh, the bilayered biological membrane. But now let's talk about cholesterol, right? So cholesterol organizes these things called lipid rafts. Um, it's thickest where sphingolipids and proteins are. And basically cholesterol acts as like this incredible stabilizer of the membrane, but it also can overstabilize the membrane and make it so that it's like, I guess you could say like brittle in a sense. So our body main, uh, maintains like obviously like a state of balance. So it never really gets like that, but it organizes these lipid rafts. And this is going to be thickest where sphingolipids are. And if you remember, sphingolipids are really important um, for basically your myelin sheath and nerve bundle. So cholesterol, right, is, is like if it's very funny, like you haven't learned this yet. Maybe you have, but the brain is made up of a ton of fat. And why is it made up of a ton of fat? It's because it has all these sphingolipids and cholesterol making up these myelin sheath nerve bundles, which it, when you'll learn about the importance of these in a later podcast. But basically, like increasing the, the these myelin sheath are super important for transmitting uh, uh, nerve signals really quickly. So our nervous system has a ton of this, and um, that's why you're going to find it mainly in sphingolipids, right? This uh, lipid rafts. And this is going to be found majority sphingolipids in your nervous system. So um, the final thing I want to talk about is the uh, types of membrane proteins bound um, with hydrophobic anchors. So like if you think about a protein, right, we can do um, post-translational modifications to them by giving them these hydrophobic um, modifications. I, maybe you remember this from a previous previous podcast. But this is helpful for when you want to orient a protein in the biological uh, membrane, right? You want it to be oriented properly. So our body is going to basically uh, post-translationally modify this with a specific at a specific point with a hydrophobic anchor, which is just going to be a fatty acid, right? So this is um, basically can either be um, integral proteins or peripheral proteins, right? And basically, like what can happen with a peripheral protein, and when we're talking about peripheral, it'll be peripherally um, located in the biological membrane, right? And these are associated uh, transiently. So like you can, um, in other words, like if you want to hide, if you want to pull that protein, that that transporter or whatever, back away so because you, you don't need any more transport across the membrane, you can give it a hydrophobic anchor, right? And that way it actually will, it, it potentially could bury the protein within the, the, within the cell so that it no longer is functioning, but it also will keep that protein at the biological membrane depending on where it's at. So it doesn't necessarily um, mean that like when you, when you give something a hydrophobic anchor that it's not going to like function properly anymore but it, it can serve a few different purposes is what I'm trying to get at. But the idea is, is that like by tagging it with this hydrophobic anchor, that protein is going to stay in the biological membrane and either continue to perform its function or maybe it'll drag it back and hide it in the membrane. Um, for integral proteins, when you give it a hydrophobic uh, anchor, these are, these are proteins like that you'll find like potentially depending on where you're looking, in the actual cytosol and some sort of um, bimembrane, um, these have to be removed via detergent. So a detergent uh, is like, um, like bleach is a type of detergent. Um, anyways, it, it basically you have to completely destroy things in order to pull these out. So um, that's it for this episode. Um, that last little bit, I don't necessarily think you're going to get tested on 
Um, hydrophobic anchors, just important to understand what they are and, and uh, how they uh, affect the protein when they get tagged with one. But what I really would like you to take away is from this is what um, the components of a phospholipid and glycolipids are and where you're going to find the majority of these being in, um, you know, your um, uh, membrane and then heavily in your uh, nervous system. So in the next episode, we're going to be talking about um, uh, it looks like protein sorting. And this is actually a pretty fun one, right? Because after I, we sort of talked about it when you were talking, when we were talking about like how ubiquination can send um, a protein to the proteasome. But obviously, you don't just destroy proteins. You usually they serve a function. So we're going to talk about um, you know proteins, uh, protein sorting, and wh where they get sent, and you know what kind of function they're going to be uh, doing once they get to their target region of the cell and organelle of the cell. So we'll see you in the next episode. Uh, episode 14, Protein Sorting.